if you go to the covenant website, which is covchurch.org, and you do a backslash bless, you find that there's some great resources there. You might want to spend a little time there uh, that help develop this theme of bless. There's some reading resources and articles and things and uh, uh, about how we can be blessing, uh, be a blessing to others. And as I opened this week and I looked at the landing page for L, uh, I found this quote right at the top. It says this, if you want to be a good listener, think of yourself as someone who comes alongside another person. Not to give advice, but to learn the other person's real story. I love that image of coming alongside. Um, one of the names given to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the paraclete or parakletos, which literally means to be called alongside. And the Holy Spirit comes along with us. And so we come alongside someone as a good, uh, as a good listener. We heard uh, Carl and Ruthie and Peter share some stories, too, about the, the role of good listening. Um, and uh, we just have to do good listening in English. They're doing good listening in Thai and Spanish and, uh, um, and, and trying to make a sense of it that way. But good listening, as we know, is not just simply keeping our mouth shut and waiting for our turn to speak. But good listening is really focusing on what someone is saying and then listening beyond the facts and information for what they might really be saying. Last week we looked at B, begin with prayer. In case you're wondering what these little circles are up here, this is the this is the person kneeling and beginning with prayer. And today we have a have an ear up here for uh, uh, the, the developing our skill of listening. And it still says pray. The P kept falling off last week. I used some super glue this week, so I think we're going to keep prayer there. Uh, but um, Last week when we talked about beginning with prayer, and Carl touched on this a little bit too, uh, we looked at how God is already at work in the people that we care about. So beginning in prayer, we thank God for that. We ask him to help us see that and commit to joining him. Our listening then helps us to discover not only where God is working, but helps us connect more deeply with this person. Helps us to hear perhaps their needs and perhaps even uh, their pain or their places of longing, or even as we heard, to hear their dreams and where God might be at work in that. So our point today is that that listening can help us make a caring connection, a caring connection. And so this is what we want to say this morning, that Jesus came to to find lost people and came to help hurting people. And he invites us as his followers to partner with him in this mission. That's the mission of Jesus. It's our mission as well. And listening well, instead of simply figuring out what we're going to say, listening well can help us make a caring connection with people who are far from God, and then open the door to spiritual conversation. So we're going to look a little bit at listening. First of all, is this caring connection. I want to talk a little about listening. Then we're going to look at the the gospel lesson. Chris has read for us the epistle lesson today, which just has the backdrop of the gospel, the wonder of the gospel, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the truth we stand in. And then today's gospel reading is the story of the woman at the well. And we're going to see how Jesus makes a connection, a caring connection with her. And then finally, we'll look at our own uh, efforts in prayer and listening as well, our own listening to those who are far from God. Listening is a caring connection. Um, can you hear me now? Remember that guy from a few years ago, the, the Verizon guy? I think we might even have a picture of the Verizon guy. Um, I remember traveling in a Spanish-speaking country during that time, and it's a, escúchame ahora. I thought, oh, I know how to say it. Can you hear me now? But anyway, uh, can you hear me now? And, and it helps us realize that um, uh, that ad made sense then, but actually cell reception for the most part has actually improved. Have you noticed that? You know, there, there really are fewer dropped calls and, and, and better coverage. Uh, so we're, we're, we're getting better reception on our phones, but are we, are we listening any better? <laughs> actually, no. Sometimes it's because of those phones that we aren't listening as well. In a 2015, 2015 article in the New York Times, 
communications expert Sherry Turkle asked this question. What has happened to -to face-to-face communication in a world where so many people say they would rather text than talk? Turkle answered, studies of conversations show that when two people are talking, the mere presence of a phone on a table between them or even in the periphery of their vision changes both what they talk about and the degree of connection they feel. Okay, so if you weren't convicted yet, I'll read it again. The mere presence of a phone on a table between them or even in the periphery of their vision, I left men in the pew over there, so I'm not looking at it, changes both what they talk about and the degree of connection they feel. People keep the conversation on topics where they won't mind being interrupted. They don't feel as invested in each other. Even a silent phone disconnects us. It gets worse. She quotes then a 2010 study. A team at the University of Michigan led by psychologist Sarah Conrath put together the findings of 72 different studies that were conducted over a 30-year period on college campuses of communication and empathy. And she said she discovered through this study that there was a 40% decline in empathy among college students with most of the decline taking place after 2000. I think that's when we got our first cell phone, now that I think of it. It's about when it started. The trouble with talk begins young. Students were not developing friendships the way they used to. One teacher observed that the students, quote, sit in the dining hall and look at their phones. When they share things together, what are they sharing? What they're sharing is what is on their phones, unquote. And then she asked, is this the new conversation? If so, it's not doing the work of the old conversation. The old conversation taught empathy to feel with somebody. And these students seem to understand each other less. Listening's always been hard. But some of these things have even made it more complicated and more difficult. But listening has always been hard because basically we really like to talk more than we like to listen. Even introverts, really, when you get them going about themselves, talk a lot. (laughs) We may keep our mouth shut as another speaks, but too often we're just thinking of what we will will say next. And I read some research this week, which I didn't need to read because I knew it was true, that says that our favorite topic of conversation is usually ourselves and what's going on in our world. But think of the times that somebody has really, truly listened to you. (laughs) When you've really been listened to, you feel a sense of having been valued and cared for. Like when they're really listening to you and taking an interest, and they may even say some things, but it's asking for more information or clarification or even perhaps identifying you something you might have felt. It's an active listening. When that happens, you find you, you actually really mean something to them. Good listening is a skill that actually can be developed. But good listening is also a change that the Holy Spirit can bring into the follower of Christ. Because basically the main thing that happens, happens to us as disciples is we need to be turned from the inside to the outside, isn't it? Or am I the only one that struggles with that? <laughs> but that's the work of the Spirit in us, to turn us from a, a self-focus to those around us. And it happens in the Spirit helping us to be better listeners as we focus on those around us. Some of you know the name Henry Nouwen, who was an author, Catholic priest, uh, has passed away, uh, but his writing has been so significant for many people. And Nouwen refers to listening as spiritual hospitality, a spiritual hospitality. 
Now one says this. He says, listening is much more than allowing another to talk while we're waiting for a chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. The beauty of listening is that those who are listened to start feeling accepted, start taking their words more seriously and discovering their own true selves. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. (laughs) Real listening, spiritual hospitality affirms the others, perhaps even enables them to share more deeply, feeling a safety and a confidence with you. Real listening then not only gathers information, it's good to listen for information and kind of keep that. And sometimes when somebody's sharing information, like, I, do you ever do this? I'll do this. I'll look at them and go, I'll, t- I'll have a little self-talk, like, make sure you're listening. Make sure you're connecting the dots here. This is a little bit longer story than I thought I was going to get, but I want to make sure I have this all in. So it's, it's a gathering information. It's gathering the details. But it does more than gather information. It also affirms and accepts the other, and it builds trust. It builds trust. And then it can lead to this deeper, caring connection, which can quite possibly open the door to spiritual conversation. Jesus is the one who can meet the needs that we might begin to uncover in another. And Jesus ultimately, of course, as we know from our own experience, and our experience is so important, of the healing and the connections that God has made in our own lives, as we can help others uncover that for themselves as well. So listening is a caring connection. We're going to look at how Jesus did this in his interaction with the woman at the well. It's John chapter 4, and it's a long text, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read part of it. And I actually don't have time to unpack the whole story of the woman at the well. It's one of the most uh, profound stories in Scripture, really, of Jesus' interaction with this woman who ends up becoming an evangelist. She doesn't even go to Bible school or, or, or seminary classes. She just, like, meets Jesus, and she goes to town and brings them out there. Remember, before we did, before we did um, uh, the Blessing Initiative years ago, we did Bringing My World to Christ, and we used to preach on that and say, she brought, her, she brought the whole town out to meet Jesus. It's a fantastic story. But I want to focus on the first part of Jesus' interactions with her and read that. So we're going to read verses 5 through 26. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How could you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. 
I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And then it goes on into town and the disciples and everything else. But let's look at this part of the story. The story where we really kind of have to ask the question, is Jesus really listening? At first reading, it kind of seems like he isn't. <laughs> it seems like he really isn't listening that well. He, he asks for water, and she responds with, why are you asking me? And he doesn't answer that question. He comes back with something about living water. And then she asks if he is greater than Jacob who gave them this well. And he doesn't answer that either. When she finally says, give me this living water you're talking about, he responds with, go get your husband. You know, you read it on the surface, it's like Jesus is clueless here. He's not listening to her at all. Or is he? Or is he? Because as we see the whole story unfold, and we follow what Jesus is doing, we see that he really is listening. He is listening in a deeper way. He's listening into the deeper places in this one. Of course, he had the advantage of being the Son of God, and he knew some things that we wouldn't know, perhaps. But Jesus, in taking time with her, a Samaritan woman that a Jewish man would not spend time with, just simply his being there and engaging in conversation was a profound thing. And she points that out. What are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You guys don't talk to us. And he's talking to her. Jesus is picking up on who she is. He's picking up on her pain and eventually this loneliness, perhaps, that she has experienced and her deep need. So Jesus, even this is interesting give and take here, Jesus presses in, knowing her need, knowing her wounded heart, knowing her thirst for meaningful, deep life. He knows that she needs this gift. She needs this grace, this grace of forgiveness. So Jesus' goal here is not to shame her or to judge her. It's like, you've had five husbands. No, he's just uncovering another layer there of need in this woman. Jesus does not shame her. He does not judge her for what has likely been an immoral lifestyle. But he does this to care for her, to listen well to her, and to meet her deepest need, and then to give her the gift of life. Jesus makes this connection then. He makes this caring connection such that she then responds with this question, could this in fact be the Messiah? Her response shows that she is She's getting it. God is working in her. God is using her to reach other Samaritans. She runs to town and says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
Of course, Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did. She's exaggerating there, but he hit the hard places and the places where she has felt the losses and the incompleteness in her life. He told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? In a sense, she's saying, he knows me and he did not reject me. He knows me. He knows what I've done. And he has given me life. The woman at the well is blessed by Jesus in the fullest way. And the story moves on and then to the second part in verses 27 to 42, we see her telling her story. We see her blessing others who then come to Christ as well. And at the end they say, actually now we believe even if you hadn't told us your story, now that we've spent time with them and Jesus has listened to them and they've been blessed as well. But all because Jesus made this caring connection, listening for her deepest need. And the hope for us and the encouragement for us is that we can do that too, right? Listening to those who are far from God. When I wrote paying attention to uh, dreams and pain, by dreams I kind of meant things we want to do in the future, but I love it that Ruthie said, do dreams. Pastor Diana's pretty good about interpreting dreams too, by the way, but literally dreams that we've had, but dreams for the future. I, you know, I had already written this on, on Friday, and I was off yesterday, and I was taking care of just day offy things. And I, my car needed, I'd had my car in last, earlier in the week for a simple fix, a new headlight. And they'd found some major work that needed to be done, so I set it up for yesterday. And so I, the woman that had helped me on, on, on Monday had said, Call me, and I'll set it up for Saturday. So we did. And I got in, sat with her, and oh my goodness, she started just kind of opening up her life to me. <laughs> And I didn't even, I just asked a few questions and I saw a picture on her monitor that was a 14-year-old daughter and I heard a story of a failed marriage a couple of years ago and of raising a 14-year-old on her own and of entering into the dating world and online and this guy that she's met. And I was like, wow, I mean, you can't, you can't do this. You're not on my list yet. I wanted to say, no, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but just, it was, it was just there. And then when I came back to pick the car up, I was able to take it a little bit further. And I, I actually realized that I had missed an opportunity for, for a question uh, because she's going to meet one of these guys that she met online. He lives in Colorado. He's coming to meet her in a couple of weeks. I've been praying for her like, oh, don't let him be a jerk. And I just met her yesterday. She's not even my best friend, but I just have her. God has put her on my heart. And I, I wanted to ask her a question. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'll find something wrong with my car in a couple of weeks and take it back. But um, I get my hair cut more often now. It's like costing me a lot. But anyway, it's all right. And then, and then, she, and then I, I dropped my car off, and Megan's out of town, so I, I, I said, can you run me home? And so they send this shuttle driver, this kind of shy-looking young man, and I thought, well, I can sit in silence. I just engage him in conversation. He opens up about his life. He's 19 years old, grew up in a small town downstate, came here to make some money to pay for his medications, he says. Oh, do you have health issues? Why, yes, I'm type 1 diabetic. And we had a long conversation about living with that kind of disability and doing life. So I... It just happens, people, and I'm not, I'm not Mr. Magic open people up. I mean, I was, yesterday's my day off. I don't, you know, I don't have to do spiritual things on my day off, do I? <laughs> but God is good. But paying attention to dreams and to pain, I just heard these little glimpses yesterday from Arlene and from Dino. I don't know if I'll see them again. And I think of the opportunities, perhaps with both of them, that I perhaps could have grabbed onto, and I, I want to be more, I've been in prayer since then to try to do that. Sometimes when we're talking to somebody, it might be the shortest phrase or even a pause as a friend ponders a thought. When an acquaintance told me last fall, I just feel kind of lost. 
Or when a new neighbor said to Megan a couple months ago, we just feel a need for something more. Or another shared a few favorite quotes to me, and two of them had to do with triumphing over adversity. Those are little clues that we get, and we listen for those. And we don't jump all over them with the gospel, but we pay attention to the person. We pay attention to our own heart, and we pay attention to the prompting of the Spirit. And that's what I'm praying for me and for you, that we pay attention to the prompting of the Spirit. Say, ask another question. Press in just a little bit more and see where God's at work. And when the time is right, ask the questions that can actually move the conversation towards spiritual conversation, towards initiating spiritual conversation. This morning you have in your bulletin the insert for L for listen. And um, it has a few things on the front there, but on the back, I really appreciate the the practical things that are coming to us each week on these uh, inserts. It says here, God is always seeking to reach and restore the world through blessing. And And then it quotes Genesis 12, which we looked at a couple weeks ago. That's the blessing of Abraham in order to be a blessing. Here are some questions to help you begin a conversation with the people who are far from God. Here's one. Do you have any religious background and does it mean anything to you? That's, that's easy because it could be yes or no or a st- long story. What is the story of your faith journey? How have your perspectives changed over time? I love this one. We even asked this at, at the Board of Spiritual Life meeting a couple months ago. Have you ever had what you would describe as a spiritual experience? A lot of people, whether they know Christ or not, have had what they would call spiritual experiences, and that can open up a door to see where God might be working in their life. Another one, the next one says, I often talk with people who are interested in spiritual things but not interested in organized religion. Can you relate to that? This taps that place where people are fed up with the church and with Christianity, but they're fascinated with spiritual things and perhaps even with a person of Jesus. So rather than getting ready to defend the church, to say, you know, I've heard this a lot. Do you feel that? What I'll say sometimes is, you're not into organized religion? Well, come to our church. We're, we're not that terribly organized. I mean, you might. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and actually, sometimes humor can break that down as well. And then press in. What do we mean by organized religion? And what do we mean by faith in Christ? Do you think there's a God? What do you think God is like? What questions would you like to ask God if you could? Do you wish God were real? Why are we not? What difference would it make? I thought after I paid for my car and Arlene walked out and I said, so when's he coming to town? She told me she walked away. I thought, I should have said, Arlene, do you believe in God? I just, that came to me, but it was like two seconds late and I want to be ready, more ready the next time to be on top of that. And then finally, this one, have you ever had good or bad experiences with Christians or with the church? What were they? And it says here that sometimes we have to rebuild broken trust before a conversation can move forward. A lot of people who are far from God didn't used to be, or at least they weren't far from church. And experiences, whether the Christians or experience with the church or abuses that have happened, have driven them far from God. And when we show an openness to listen and to understand and not defend or explain, it can open up doors through which God can walk and through the Spirit can speak. I want to do better on this. Who's with me? (laughs) It suggests here at the bottom the blessed brainstorm. Your lists are right there. And if you weren't here last Sunday, we need to have have more lists. We'll get them for you. If you weren't here last Sunday, let me know. Because last Sunday we, 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 we wrote down names 
on little lists here, names on one and an identical one that you keep. Mine's in my Bible now. And other names are here that you're praying for, three to five names. This person didn't follow the rules. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, you've got a lot of praying to do, but that's okay. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> but seriously, those are names that we have in mind now. And, just, and I think when we have nine or ten or twelve, it's wonderful. But, but try to think of just those few, just those three to five. You know, I know a lot of us put family members that we don't see that often or we wish they would come to Christ and it's hard to talk to family members. But who are the people we are seeing or in conversation with often? Where, where this kind of listening and questions really are, are a possibility and a probability. Be thinking about those and the connections that we might make. What are the questions that we could ask that might move that relationship just one step forward? and asking God to open up the possibility of spiritual conversation. You know, we can do this. This is not that hard. You are not being trained as Bible-toting evangelists. You are being encouraged as people who know and love Jesus to share that with others. We can do this. We can do this. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for opportunities to listen and just even kind of bombarding me yesterday morning at the car dealer. And Lord, forgive me for the missed opportunity I could really sense as Arlene walked away and into her office. I want to listen better to you, Holy Spirit. And I want to listen better to people around me. And I know as I look across the congregation right now, Lord, that there are a lot of people who are resonating with what I say. So, Lord, be at work in our hearts. And for those not resonating, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do your work in each of us. Lord, there's some here, perhaps, who aren't even sure of their own walk with you. And, Lord, I don't want any of them to feel outside or ashamed of that, but pray that you would meet them in their journey as well as we experience life and transformation and hope in you. Lord, thank you for the ways in which you are blessing us and thank you for the ways that you want to bless others through us. We pray this in your name. Amen.